0: This is Once Upon a Crime in Hollywood, the Ronnie Chasen story. The media frenzy continued in the aftermath of Harold Smith's death after he was confronted in his apartment lobby for the alleged involvement in Ms. Chasen's murder. The next day, Deadline quoted a police source close to Ms. Chasen's investigation who said police had a fairly good idea who employed a Hollywood hitman to shoot the Hollywood publicist, and that the police were working on a theory that Ms. Chasen's murder was related to a business deal gone bad. On December 4th, KTLA cited new information that ballistics tested showed the gun Harold Smith used to commit suicide did not match the weapon used to shoot Ms. Chasen. Beverly Hills Police responded December 7th to say they had requested the suicide weapon be turned over to Los Angeles County Sheriff's Scientific Services Bureau Firearms Section for a ballistic comparison, but the test hadn't been conducted yet. Let's bring in Barry Fisher, Senior Forensic Advisor for Park Diaz and Associate, a former crime Lab director for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office. He is also the author of Techniques in Crime Scene Investigation. Barry, can you explain the process for releasing weapons to a specific department and how those ballistic tests are done?
1: Sure. Uh, first of all, a little uh, background. I was crime laboratory director up until my retirement in 2009, uh, I was already in charge of the entire laboratory, including the firearms section. The Sheriff's Crime Laboratory uh, provides uh, laboratory services for all of the uh, municipalities within the County of Los Angeles, with the exception of the LAPD and Long Beach Police Department, which have their own laboratories. Uh, So in effect, we were Beverly Hills' uh, crime laboratory. Um, the uh, in the case of a uh, murder investigation, the uh, detectives—this would be Beverly Hills PD detectives—would uh, uh, be running the case. Uh, Beverly Hills has a, a crime scene unit that uh, collects evidence and does some uh, rudimentary. Uh, laboratory tests involving uh, fingerprints and uh, examining evidence to a minor degree, but for anything very specific, they would uh, send the evidence down to the laboratory. Uh, It could come to the laboratory by one of uh, usually two uh, uh, procedures. One uh, a representative from the police department would uh, transport the evidence to the laboratory to book it in. Or we, uh, or the laboratory offers, offers a, a pickup and delivery service. It's kind of like our own postal service that we, uh, visit each of the police departments and sheriff stations within Los Angeles County to collect, uh, evidence, uh, booked into the laboratory and then ultimately assigned to, uh, particular section or sections if more than uh, one is uh, required. The firearm section is one of these uh, of the sections in the laboratory and it's made up of both uh civilian and uh police personnel who are all uh trained in the various aspects of uh, firearms identification, including uh the operation of weapons, comparing bullets and shell cases uh with uh fired materials determining whether or not a gun was working properly and, and, and the like. So in uh, in this particular case, I I'm, I'm not sure how the evidence got to the laboratory, but I gather that it did. The laboratory would have examined uh, the uh, the evidence, and if it uh, uh, was suitable for comparison to a specific uh, gun, uh, then they would do a comparative analysis. I understand in this case that. All they had was the core of the bullet, uh, which they could opine came based on its weight, could have come from a particular type of gun. But apparently there was not enough uh, data or information on the uh, submitted evidence to uh, come up with a conclusion that it specifically came from a uh, given firearm.
0: How would the firearm section be able to determine if the gun Harold Smith used to commit suicide is the same one that shot Miss Chasen?
1: Well, if, if there was uh, sufficient information from either a cartridge case or the bullets itself, then they could make a comparison. Uh, revolvers and uh, uh, semi-automatic uh, pistols, as well as uh, most rifles, have uh, rifling down the barrel. And that rifling causes the bullet to kind of spin as it uh, uh, comes through the barrel to stabilize the uh, bullet as it it, uh, goes through uh, the air, uh, kind of like a football spinning through the air. When the bullet uh, comes in contact with the internal surface of the uh, barrel. Uh, markings on the uh, surface area are transposed onto the bullet, and those can be compared under a uh, microscope with test-fire bullets from a particular gun. So they would be comparing bullets, say, removed from a body, again, against uh, test-fire bullets from a gun. You can also do the same thing with shell casing, uh, the firing pin leaves characteristic markings on the uh, uh, head of the shell case. And uh, those things can be used to make a fairly conclusive uh, determination that came from a a particular weapon. Of course, if there's no or very limited uh, material to look at, then the firearms examiner is not going to be able to make uh, any sort of uh, Specific statements about uh, the source of the of the bullet.
0: The next day, Beverly Hills Police released an update.
2: This morning, the crime lab at the L.A.S.O. firearms section notified us that they have a preliminary ballistics result. The weapon used by our person of interest, Harold Martin Smith, to commit suicide, does preliminarily match the evidence from the Chasen homicide. This is a preliminary match. It should be noted at this time, a complete analysis and review is expected within the next two weeks.
0: So now police say the preliminary ballistic reports on the gun Harold Smith used to commit suicide match the gun used to kill Miss Chasen. Barry, can you explain what a preliminary ballistic report is
1: well typically we don't give out preliminary uh, reports the the detective might have rung up the examiner and asked for a initial impression about uh, the results of his test but uh, uh, those are nothing more than um, uh, initial impressions they, they're they're not meant to be the definitive statement they certainly wouldn't be uh, evidentiary where they could be used in court or would the, exam- the examiner wouldn't uh, be able to uh, support something because it's, it's conceivable that he came up with, uh, or she came up with a different opinion on further examination. So my, my suspicion is in this particular case uh, that uh, quote, preliminary report, close quote, uh, was nothing more than a uh, telephone or verbal uh note to the investigator uh and it, i based on what i i understand from what i've heard the conclusion of the uh, firearms uh, examination does not it doesn't make any sense that uh, uh, the the so-called interim report uh, would be uh, so strong it, 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 there's a disconnect there.
0: How common is it for the crime lab to release preliminary details to a police department before a complete analysis is done?
3: Well,
1: uh, it's 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 not common at all because you, you can imagine the volume of evidence that's coming from the lab. Uh, it, it, you know, typically on a major uh, investigation where the uh, investigators, the detectives and the, and the department is getting a lot of heat from the media. Uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the, uh, if someone from the police department or the detective in charge of the case would ring up the laboratory and, and speak to the uh, examiner and say, can, can you tell me something? You know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting beleaguered by questions uh, from the media. Uh, can you can you give me something that I can I can tell them uh, about now? How accurately they conveyed that information, I, I couldn't even say. Nor can I say exactly what the information that was trans uh, that was given to the investigator was on this particular case. Uh, but, uh, you know, t- typically a, a, a uh, preliminary uh, report, a which is going to almost be always verbal, doesn't count for very much. I've, I've seen a number of instances where um, that kind of uh, information turned around and bit us, uh, and so we just stopped doing that a number of years ago.
0: This contradicted the original report by KTLA, which said the gun didn't match, which Beverly Hills Police Chief David Soden also addressed.
2: This is exactly what happens when our quasi-experts that go on the radio and TV that don't know what the heck they're talking about draw conclusions. Uh, based upon erroneous information that was wrong, that was a preliminary look and somebody making a guess that it might have been.
0: So that did happen. Somebody did look at that.
2: Somebody looked at it, but Every we don't we don't know we don't know it. anything further except that it was erroneous information.
0: Let's bring in Merle Stebbin, licensed private investigator, former police investigator, instructor at California Police Science Institute, forty five years of homicide investigation. Merle. You had the chance to visit both crime scenes and review some of the documents. What can you tell us about the ballistic evidence in this case?
3: Yes. Um, one of the problems that I had when I came onto this is that when I received reports, they were extremely redacted, very, very heavily redacted. But one of the reports that I got was uh, a copy of the ballistic report from the uh, law enforcement that did the study on the uh, weapon that Harold Smith had in his possession and uh, one of the um, one of the paragraphs that was in there is that they they did do a test firing, but the most important line that caught my eye was that it was insufficient for an identification though it did the bullet that they testified did have specific characteristics similar. But again, it just said that it was insignificant for an identification. And so that, that was one of my problems um, with uh, whether or not this weapon was actually involved in the Ronnie chase and homicide.
0: The tipster told The Hollywood Reporter he saw a Beverly Hills detective place Smith's belonging from the box on his bed and said they were four empty shell casings. Why would Smith keep the shell casings? Can you explain the specifics of the casings for a suspected murder weapon?
3: Well, I I can't really address what Mr. Smith may or may not have done as far as his thinking process. Um, The weapon that was involved, or at least was identified, was a revolver or a wheel gun. And to get the casings out of the revolver, there is a cylinder that's opened up and then an ejection rod pushes down, extracting all the spent casings. I um, don't know whether it was a five-cylinder, five-round cylinder, or six-round cylinder. Um, we were never ever, we meaning the team that I was working with, were never ever allowed to by the Beverly Hills Police Department to review that, that weapon. Or to identify why he kept it or he, whether he did in fact uh, keep them, I, I couldn't answer that.
0: Well, what stood out to you most about some of the police department statements about Miss Chasen's investigation?
3: Well, I, I went to the scene where she was in, was shot, and at the uh, turn signal. One of the problems was the shot grouping that was on uh, Ronnie's right side as she sat in the driver's side in relationship to the external passenger window, the frame. The or the idea was planted or given by the Beverly Hills Police Department that uh, Harold could have either walked up to the window or he was sitting there on a bicycle and shooting through the window. The problem I had with that was the linear path of the bullet as it in, initially hit the body and then traveled through the body was more on a ninety degree angle versus a um, a downward angle, more of a level angle, which would not be consistent. One because Harold, if he was standing, he was six foot three. Uh, we also have to take into consideration his prior, if any, knowledge of weapons discharge for a. Recoil factor to come back on point once you fire the one shot, come back on point and fire the next one in pretty much the same shot grouping. I did not find that that could possibly have been uh, relevant to what Harold Smith staying there shooting through the window. The other thing was that if this was an external shot from the uh, outside of the vehicle. Uh, in, the, in particular, that close range to the frame of the window, that stippling could have been found on the external window, the door side, external door, and then within the uh, confines of the uh, car itself from the passenger seat to the headrest and, and the driver's seat. That could give you a pretty good idea if he was that close. Whether or not Harold shot from that or it was a farther distance outside, such as a vehicle being in another lane to where the shooter over there could stabilize the weapon in rapid fire and be able to control the recoil factor and still have a pretty good, uh, nice shot, shot group there. So that was, that was some of the problems, especially when I looked at the autopsy diagrams. We were not given the photographs. We were very limited in what Beverly Hills Police Department turned over to us. I did get to look at the diagrams that the coroner made uh, of the autopsy and where the shot uh, impact sites were. And these were more of a linear passage and pretty straight line. So the shot grouping on the right shoulder area of her body. Was pretty, was, was in a, I'd say an eight, di- eight uh, inch diameter, which is a pretty good shot group. And it was a straight linear path, not a downward angle path. Then I also had the opportunity to go to the Harvey uh, Motel where he allegedly committed suicide. Now I say allegedly because um, I'm still looking into uh, reviewing some aspects of what happened there. One of the things that really caught my mind was that the detectives went over there to talk to Harold. Uh, They were told that he was not there, that he'd been evicted, but he was coming in to get his mail. So they stayed around until he he arrived. When he arrived, he went back into the little foyer where the mailboxes were. Harold was six foot three. And when the officers identified themselves and uh Said they wanted to talk to him, and this is according to the report. I think it was Abdul Rahman was the detective. Um, there was things that really didn't stand out as they this was really going to happen. Like it's a reasonable thing to believe. One of those was that when Harold faced them, they recognized that he had a revolver or firearm in his waistband and reached for it. Uh, Mr. Rahman, Abdul Rahman, stated that he reached for his taser and then was going to transition back from the taser, non-lethal force, to a revolver. But by that time, Harold had already pulled the weapon out and shot himself. Now, again, keeping in mind, Harold was six foot three. The autopsy report says that the bullet entered into his right temporal area, about four inches from the top of the head and then exited. The problem was is that there was a bullet impact on the mailbox that he was on to his left side, which was only about two or three feet at the most. Problem was is the bullet impact that hit the mailbox, I measured it to be right around 37 inches from the floor. Well, Harold was six foot three standing up. That's not a reasonable, especially when the bullet's going through soft tissue such as the brain. That the ball's going to come out on the left side of his body and just do a sudden drop and then continue down to the 37 inch line and impact the mailbox. When we went to the mailbox area, Harvey, the impact site was still there. You could see that. The other problem I had was a Harold was standing up six foot three, shot himself in the head. And therefore all muscle uh, control is gone. And he, fell to the floor. When you look at the photographs of Harold in the lobby of the uh, Harvey Hotel, he had his back, he was sitting on his rear end, his back was against the wall, and his feet were stretched out straight. Also, he had in his right hand, in um, in the palm of his hand, was the butt of the weapon. Uh, The problem I had with that is, once the brain is dead, all muscle control. Goes away, the hand would not have been able to hang onto the weapon, especially when you take into consideration the recoil factor. So, when you put your hand to your right hand to your temple, you can see where the barrel is is pointing towards the left side. And with the recoil, it's going to recoil it to the right side of his body. And of course, the muscle control is gone. The weapon would not have landed. I mean, it's almost in a pristine position uh, on his palm of his hand. Then I had another problem: was there was uh, an absence. There was still blood on the weapon, but it was absent of of matter. Um, and those those considered uh, concerned me very much when we asked to see the lobby photographs of the video, which Beverly Hills Police Department still has, from my understanding. They refused to let us look at that. But then I go back to when Officer Rahman said he reached for his taser. Now, having been a police officer and worked in these kind of situations, I have never known of a plainclothes detective carrying a taser. So that was a question. But let's just say he did. They went there looking for Harold Smith, who was a suspect in a homicide, which involves a revolver or a firearm and he's reaching for a taser. So those are some very serious issues and there's others, but those are some problems I had with the, where Ronnie was shot uh, at the um, the road and at the Harvey hotel. Plus the fact that the Beverly Hills police department refuses to let us or anyone see the, the lobby video. And what was explained to us as to why they wouldn't do this because it was property of the Harvey Hotel. Well, I had a problem with that because they gave it to you as part of evidence, so it's really your control, not theirs. You've released other stuff, photographs of the crime scene and everything. So there's just a lot of problems that I had with the explanations and the manner in which investigation was conducted on these areas.
0: Police also said Smith acted alone. Here's Beverly Hills Police Department, Sergeant Mike Publicker.
4: The detectives were able to do numerous interviews, and through the uh, information obtained in the interviews, it appears that he did act alone. The, there was a question posed earlier uh, whether uh, Mr. Smith knew Mrs. Chasen. It does not appear at this time that there's any connection between the two. So a bicycle, bicycle could have been the vehicle used to make the hit. We believe that his mode of transportation was by bicycle. This, this was a random act of violence with Mr. Smith's background. Uh, we believe it was most likely uh, a robbery gone bad.
0: Publicker also said through the interviews and the information we received, it leaves us to believe that Smith was at a desperate point in his life and was reaching out and doing desperate measures. Let's welcome back Joshua Ritter, criminal defense attorney, former deputy district attorney for LA County and host of his own podcast, I hope you check it out, True Crime Daily Sidebar Podcast. His website is joshuaritter.com. Joshua, how could Beverly Hills make that determination?
4: Well, they they can't really. I mean, that's that's a determination that even I mean, even if, um, you know, supposing they got this all right. And even if that weapon is the same weapon that was uh, the weapon that was recovered off of Smith is the same weapon that was used in the murder. How does that determine that somebody acted alone? Um, That that's that's a leap, I think, too far. And I and it's interesting that they make that statement because it doesn't doesn't mean that they're wrong in saying that Smith was involved. I don't I don't understand why they felt that those were somehow mutually exclusive, that Smith had to be part of the 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 shooting, but he also had to be the only one who is a part of the shooting. And it again, it it just kind of demonstrates that Beverly Hills PD was insistent on being absolute with a lot of the statements that they made you know concerning the ballistics evidence they were absolute that this was the same firearm when we find out later that no in fact it perhaps it was consistent with that firearm but doesn't necessarily mean it was the exact same firearm we're saying that he absolutely acted alone again does not preclude him being involved to say that somebody else may have been uh, um, involved in the murder as well Now, somebody may not have been, but to make that kind of statement with no evidence to really back it up is where you begin to step into problems, especially when you're dealing with a high media uh, interest case.
0: How much of a role do you think Smith's criminal history played in this investigation?
4: I think it played a huge role because it showed that he matched the profile of the person that they were looking for. They believed that they were looking for someone who was involved in a robbery gone bad. And some of the evidence at the scene pointed to that. Um, and then when they found someone who you know, had been implicated uh, by, by a, a tipster uh, who possessed a weapon similar to the weapon they were looking for, at least consistent with the weapon they were looking for, and who happens to have a criminal history consistent with the person that they were hoping to find as far as a profile of the person they were expecting to find i think it became um hugely important to them but you know what we call all of that is confirmation bias and so they're 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 allowing um rather than the evidence to lead them they're they're allowing themselves to be led by a narrative and then just hoping that the evidence Falls into line with that narrative. Now, again, I'm not saying that that means that they got the wrong person, but it certainly is not the way that you would hope and expect these types of investigations would play out.
0: There's also a question about Smith's motive. He had a history of robberies, but Chasen's car was found with her Prada purse on the front seat, despite the passenger side window being shattered police called it a robbery attempt gone bad and ruled out the possibility of it being a professional hit. Josh, how could police determine Ms. Chasen's death was an attempted robbery? I don't think they
4: could determine that it was. I think they suspected that it was, and I think there was some evidence that pointed towards it being uh, an attempted robbery. But then there's also evidence that pointed towards it not being first and foremost, being that nothing was taken. Um, And I guess that's where you would get into the argument, well, it was a a robbery that was somehow interrupted in the course of it. Um, But you make a good point in pointing out too that this, this is a person who does have a criminal record of participating in robberies, but that's a huge step to then the next level of essentially executing someone. I mean, firing five, or pardon me, four bullets into the side of a person's car because I don't know what you you simply can't get them to roll down the window or you're having a tough time robbing them of their purse or or you're just at 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 some sort of desperate point in your life. That's a pretty big leap. doesn't mean it doesn't happen. doesn't mean there aren't even senseless acts of violence. Um, but it 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 does again call into question, does this person seem like the type of person who would commit this, or could the evidence point towards other possible suspects or or motives for her murder.
0: How much do you think witness statements from residents of the Harvey apartment played a part in this case?
4: I think again they were huge because um, again they fit into what they were looking for. That you know they were able to describe. Certainly, the tipster was able to s- describe how he arrived home later that same night, uh, asking if the police were around. That's impactful evidence. That's huge evidence. That's, that's something you definitely want the police to pay attention to. Um, and then just, you know, kind of descriptions from other neighbors as to his behavior and how he was down and out and how he was, you know, kind of reaching a desperate point in his life um, and everything else. Yes, you, you want them to collect all of that evidence, but you don't want that evidence to simply serve as a means to confirm what they already believe to be the case if it doesn't confirm that, they need to follow that. But if but if it does, then it's important evidence that they should keep, um, they, they should take reports on it, which they did.
0: Six weeks later, Beverly Hills Police told The Hollywood Reporter they considered the case solved pending the final ballistic report. But friends and those close to Miss Chasen, some weren't so convinced. Media speculation continued with theories of other possible explanations. On the next episode of the six-part series, we'll discuss some of those theories, the battle with the Beverly Hills Police Department for the release of the case documents, and what insight might be gained from Ms. Chasen's will.